morning, everybody. It's good to be with you. My name's Tim, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. We're starting a new series, um, and it's called Get Out. You remember Elaine Bettis on uh, Seinfeld? When she hears something outrageous, she say, Get Out. And so I, I started thinking about what could, what could we do a sermon series on? I had, we had Alan and uh, Gary and I were talking about this. Alan wanted to do something like this, and we came up with a, a lot of different uh, titles and finally this idea of get out and uh, I, I can imagine someone saying you know we've had some people leave uh, is that, what are you trying to say to them you know get out and stay out and don't take a hint that I'm meaning you ought to leave here okay but I do want you to take uh, make it very clear we need to get out of this building yeah. we need to get out of this building and do something all right and so we're not we're not just confined to the walls of this of this here building. So there's going to be there's six weeks, uh, next five weeks besides this week, we're going to be uh, talking about this idea of getting out and finding ministry in our community. And we do have a guest a guest here today that's going to talk a little bit about one way we can help our community. And we're going to and uh, she'll be up here in just a second. First, I'd like to talk about a few things. First of all, okay. And if you get your notes out, we can cover them. All right. Um, in an open letter to the Churches of America, a fellow by the name of John Plavlovitz gives five reasons why people are leaving churches. And if you'd like to see that letter, it's on churchplant.com. If you want to get your cell phone out right now and look it up, I mean, knock yourselves out. Uh, you can, in fact, I've got it on my uh, new iPhone 6 right now. Uh, Siri helped me find it. It's called, "Here's Dear Church, Here's Why People Are Really Leaving You. And he is a preacher that is just, he has a blog where he says, we need to just get honest with some things as churches. And um, he gives five reasons, and I'm going to rifle through these very quickly. The first one, he says, is your Sunday productions have worn thin. And what he's meaning by that is that the lessons and, and the, the songs are just irrelevant. They really don't connect with people. Uh, that's a challenge. Uh, number two, they speak a foreign language. There's church language that every congregation has. And too often they'll, they'll use that church language that most people do not understand what you're talking about. Years ago, when my kids were small, we had a small group at our house. We called them cell groups. And um, Matthew was asking this guest, how did you like cell? And he said, hey kid, how did you know I served time in prison? We're like, oh, we got to kill that idea. Let's stop talking like that. You know, so there's terms like that. Nobody knows what propitiation means. Only a few of us do. And uh, it's not that exciting. The word isn't that exciting. It's, it talks about something very exciting. But, you know, it's, there's language that we use sometimes that just doesn't uh, relate to, to real people. Another one is, this, he says, you're, you're, the people are leaving your church because you choose lousy battles. And what he means by that is, he says, some of the battles you choose to fight and die, the hills you're choosing to die on, are just, first, quite frankly, too small. And he takes a stat, he takes a little dig at our, the duck calling reality TV shows that we have that get us all excited about Christian values. He says, but what about the big ones? Where's the church in the big things, the big issues, things like poverty and violence and things like racism and addiction and hunger? Where are you there? You seem to turn a deaf ear to these things. So many, so many churches do. Uh, the other, another reason he says people are leaving churches is your love doesn't look like, well, like love. You talk about a lot about love. You say, come as you are, but when we come, you treat us like we shouldn't be where we are, and you're, and you're just 
putting us out. You don't really care for us. How about loving us where we are until we get where we need to be? How about that? You know, Jesus loved a lot of screwed up people. Lots of people that were messed up. And uh, can you love me like this? Would you try to love me like this? But then he gives another reason. It's number three on that article. And he says this, your vision can't get past, can't see past your building. Your vision can't see past your building. And this is, I, I, put, I put that paragraph up here on the screen. You can read it with me. Look what he says here. The coffee bar, the cushy seats, the high-tech lights, the funky children's wing, and the uber-cool teen center are all top-notch and costly. Now, you might say, wait a minute. We don't have a uber-cool teen center. We, do we have a top-notch kids? I mean, to have all the latest gizmos? Probably not. But church, we can identify with this, can't we? I mean, our coffee ministry is, tries to bring a warm welcome, and, and, and it's nice to drink coffee and stuff, all right? So we may not have the fanciest place, but sometimes we think all these things really matter so much that they're going to attract people. And he goes on to say it's costly. In fact, most of the time, money and energy seems to be about luring, in other words, tr- attracting people to where you are instead of reaching people where they are. Rather than simply stepping out into your neighborhoods around you and partnering with the amazing things already happening and the beautiful stuff God is already doing, catch this next sentence. You seem content to franchise out your particular brand of Jesus stuff. And you're waiting for the sinful world to beat down your door. Your greatest mission field is just a few miles or a few feet off your campus. And you don't even realize it. You want to reach the people you're missing? Leave the building. Get out. And while you're at it, stay out. Never thought you'd hear that here. Well, I finally, I finally heard it. Did you hear what he said? He said, get out and stay out. I've been waiting for a sign. That bolted cover. That's what I'm doing too. I'm out of here, man. I hope so. I hope so. In this series, I hope you're going to be out of here. And I don't mean like never come back, but out of here in the sense of that your, your borders of influence, that you can see it broader than the confines of this dome. You know, I, as, a, as we're looking at this series, I want to make it really clear this morning, okay? My son did a fantastic job last week. He was brief. He was brief. He was concise. All the things I envy are wrapped up in his body. And I said to him, man, I wish I could be like you. He goes, are you kidding? I go, no. He puts his lessons together easily. For me, it's a chore. And that's just the way God's wired me. So I'm going to try to be brief and concise. I said, try. Pray for me. I want you to see this. Jesus never intended for the mission of his people to be confined within the walls of the building. He gives a sixth reason why we should be getting out. And it has nothing to do with the other five. And he gives that reason here in Matthew chapter 5. I must, listen, I am shaking. I've not shook in this, I've not shook on this stage in years. We must be over something big. Because the Holy Spirit's messing with me right now. Look at the words of Jesus here. 
You are the light that gives light to the world. A city that is built on a hill cannot be hidden. He's saying you're like a city that's not supposed to be hiding from people. And he says, and people don't hide a light under a bowl. Did you see what he says? People who use their heads know you don't hide this. People. I wonder which people need to be showing God's light. Who are the people that need to be getting it out in the open? Isn't it us? I mean, it's us. Yeah. They put it on a lampstand so the light shines for all the people in the house. Everybody in the house to see. And that's what we do every Sunday. Everybody in God's house. He's not talking about God's house. It's all the people in His world. All the people in your world. Look what else he says. In the same way, you, shouldn't, you should be a light for other people. Live so that they will see the good things you do. And will praise your Father in heaven. We're not supposed to hide. You know, the, the, I know that in the Old Testament there's this concept of the cities of refuge. If you were in trouble, you would go to a city of refuge where you, where you couldn't be harmed. If you accidentally killed someone, you could, you could go there. And I think sometimes that, that concept is spilled over into the kingdom in the New Testament. Somehow we've got this idea that, you know, we have to protect ourselves. The Bible says come out and be separate from among them. And so we need to hunker down and get in our... By the way, this dome is supposed to be able to take a missile. Did you, what? Did somebody say, well, yes, it's supposed to take a... It's, they, they built these in, in uh, Saudi Arabia during Desert Storm. That's what this is. It's the most secure building. It'll take hurricane and tornado forces beyond what's been recorded. But this is not a fort. This is not a place where we go, well, we can get away from the world and just for a minute escape and and be here and protected. This is not a place to hide. This is not a place where we shut out the rest of the world. No, Jesus wants you and I, He wants His people to be on a hill, like a city on a hill. You know, we all thought Reagan coined that. It's a, Jesus coined that phrase. So to shine for everyone to see. You ever been in an airplane or a jet and you're flying over a city and see all the lights? It just lights up. You just, it's amazing what you, they just stand out. And that's what Jesus wants. Why? Why do you want that, Lord? Well, look, Tim. If you live this way and you do, and that people can see good things you do out in public, they'll end up praising their Father in heaven. What a positive impact our, that our world needs right now, huh? Right now, America needs Alton, East Alton, Wood River, Edwardsville, Bunker Hill, Dow, Jerseyville, Jacksonville, wherever you want. Just West Alton, even across the river. People are needing somebody to show them the light of God. They can't see it from inside this building. Think about that. Jesus never intended for us to Keep it all here. He wants us to get out. It says, look at Matthew 20 up here on the screen. Here's a passage. So go, he says. So go, 
get out, in other words, and make followers of all people of the world, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, go and make followers of the world. Then here in Matthew 10, 27, I was looking for this verse, and Pat helped, helped me get this verse up. Go ahead and show it now if you can, Pat. Okay, and it was, this was in, uh, Joe McKenzie helped me find this passage this morning. I couldn't find it. Look what it says here. Don't be intimidated. Eventually, everything's going to be out in the open, and everyone will know how things really are. So don't hesitate to go public now. He's saying what you, what you hear me whisper about, I think one translation says, what you hear me whisper at, what I tell you in the dark, you shout it from the rooftops now. I want everybody to know it's public now. He's saying, I don't want you to be confined. I don't want you to be limited like you're in some box. No, I want you to get out there. You know, this year we've been focusing on the book of Acts. Our, our theme is mission. We're on a mission from God. You know, the Blues Brothers did not, again, originate that phrase. That's, that's been around as old as the hills. And guys, we're on a mission from God. And, and we've been looking at the book of Acts because that's where you see this mission played out over and over again. But as I've read the book of Acts with you, i got to admit, I've seen some differences. I see... The way they did church and the way we do church, and it's different. It's different. What are you talking about, Tim? Well, the first thing, I'll, I'll give you a list here. The first thing is the worship services aren't the primary activity of the church. Now, that may disappoint some of you. It disappoints me for obvious reasons. Really? I put hours and days and months of study into these things, and you're saying it's not, it's not the main thing, Tim. Are you kidding me? It's not the main thing. All the songs, I love our worship team. I love the harmony. I love listening to the singing, okay, and, and participating. Beautiful. Someone says, how come, you don't need, how come you don't have instruments? We don't need them. Just look. Just listen. And you're, by the way, the instruments are you guys. You're the band. Where's your rocking, you know, your butt kicking rock band, man? I go, sure hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And somebody's going to go, great. They're going to be doing all kinds of stuff. But that's, that's, that's why. But it's not the main thing. I've, well, here's what I notice as I've read the book of Acts, and maybe you've noticed this. Worship services are hardly mentioned. Did you notice that? Think about, when was a worship service mentioned in the book of Acts? Someone, the first service, someone said, well, didn't they worship in prison? Yeah, they sang in prison. Wow. Well, what a worship service, huh? They've been beaten. Let's sing a song. Okay. And some of us can't even get motivated to sing when nobody's touched us. Uh, Acts 2, they met together in the temple courts every day. In the temple courts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Isn't that a reference to worship service? Absolutely. There's another reference in Acts, I think 20 or somewhere, where Paul preaches on and on and on and on and on, praise God, on and on and on and on. And somebody falls asleep, heaven forbid, falls out the window and breaks his neck. And sure, you fall asleep in this service, something bad might happen to you. No, he breaks his neck. Now, there's a service. Hey, did you go to that breakneck service? Well, that was something, wasn't it? It sure was. I don't remember the sermon, but I remember that. What an object lesson. That's about it. That's about it. Yet our focus sometimes can be just about 
Oh, look, it's so big and beautiful. You know, or all oh, these seats are so cushy. They fit just right. You know, you've got to get the temperature. Make sure the temperature's right. Why? Because it's Sunday. And I, no, you say, well, Tim, are you saying that Sunday don't matter? Because if it don't, I'll not, I won't show up next week. Oh, wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not saying that. Sure. We get together to worship. We get together to see one another and encourage each other. But it's not the main deal. Another thing, though they met in houses and in the temple courts, I noticed something else. Church was not viewed as a place to go. What do you mean, Tim? Well, no one said, where do you go to church in the first century? Because wherever you were, I am, you ever seen those signs, you are here? <laughs> you just wear one of them big signs. Where's your church? <laughs> right here. No one said, where's your church located? That was what, no. See, the church was not a place. The church describes a people. That the word ekklesia, which is that Koine Greek word, the New Testament language, that common everyday Greek word, common everyday phrase, ekklesia, meant a group of people called out. A group of people that were devoted to getting out of sin and getting out into the world. Another thing I notice, again, as I'm reading through the book of Acts, their meetings didn't replace their ministry. Look at that sentence. Let it process. Their meetings did not replace their ministry. I go to church. I go to guy time, girl time. I get together with people. Boy, I'm sure there's a lot of discussion about small groups still. Are we devoted to small groups? Churches need to be devoted to small groups. Sometimes they're just nothing but small classes. Another small class. And I'm not saying, you're saying, Tim, are you saying that that don't matter? That getting together doesn't matter? Meetings don't matter? Meetings matter, of course. Of course. But they don't replace ministry. Learning together never replaces doing together. It can't. In fact, when they came together, it was to encourage each other before they went back out. That's what I notice as I'm reading the book of Acts. And the last thing I notice is the health and strength of a church is not measured by its seating capacity, but by its sending capacity. I have done this. I'm guilty of it. I'm, gonna be, I'm like every preacher. Paid or unpaid, it don't matter, guys. If you're paid, it doesn't make this... It, it, or if I'm, I'm, I'm not paid by the church. And I'll tell you, I, I'm going to let you know, it don't matter. Preachers count nickels and noses. Did you know that? They count nickels and noses. How's the contribution? How's the attendance? And if the attendance is going up and, and to the right, then it must be, we're doing something good. You can have a great, big, fat church that does nothing. It's not about how many we can put in the seats. You say, but Tim, if we're out there sharing the gospel, we're bringing people to Christ. Of course we're going to fill the chairs. Of course. But what's the, the health of this church, the longevity of this church, its ability to touch the future will not be by how many we can put in these chairs, but how many we send out the door that have purpose. I just, that's what I notice.
That's what I noticed when I read the book of Acts, that their primary focus was on people and their community. And we've never really talked about this. We've talked about our primary focus ought to be serving, and it's just exclusive many times, the ministries of Greater Alton, and that's where it ends. And I'm here to tell you that it, we should be serving in the ministries of Greater Alton. I don't want to, I'm not wanting to get rid of any ministries. But I'm not interested in branding our own Jesus stuff when there's other things going on that we could partner with and get involved in and bring Christ to the world. And look, look, at, look at some of the encouragement from other, uh, that Paul and Peter give other churches. It says, you live among people who are crooked and evil. Try to shine as lights among the people of this world. You live in a crooked... He goes on and says, by the way, he says, try to shine as lights like stars in the universe. You don't find stars in the building. They're out. They're out the doors. I mean, honestly, how can people see you shine if we're all just in here? And if we're all supposed to be together and shine together, and I think there's some, there's some truth in that, but we don't all live on the same street. We don't all live in the same towns. Has God got a reason for that? Absolutely. He wants us to shine where we are. He wants us to get out. Look, look at this, First Peter. Peter quotes Jesus word for word out of Matthew 5. He says, People do not, live, do not believe are living all around you and might say that you're doing wrong. Live such good lives that they will see the good things you do and give glory to God on the day when Christ comes again. He's saying, look... He quotes Jesus as, listen, those people, they, who are they? The world. They are able to see what you, when they see what you do, they're able to see it when you get out and you do these things among them. Among them. In your neighborhood. On your campus. Your workplace. Going through a drive-thru. In your community. In your city. So how do I do that? How do I, get, how do I get out and get connected with my community? That's what I want to talk about here. And the first point I want to make is that um, to get out and connect with my I do that uh, when, when I welcome whoever walks through my doors. Because sometimes a community is going to come to us. You can't deny that. You have an egg glow hunt and it goes viral. What, what does that mean? It gets crazy. We're expecting about 186. You're going to have to double that and add some. Are you kidding? That's just the kids. You know, it's in, the, in the day of Facebook and media, electronic media, it's, you don't know what. We'll have this year, we'll do our priest trunk again, and everybody and their mother will come to that thing. But I'm interested, I think, and God is interested in more about what do we do when someone walks through the doors of this church? Because it takes a lot of courage, folks, to walk in here. You remember the courage you had? Remember the desperation maybe you had? Or you were just like, you know, I'm just checking it out. Somebody said something. Or, or if you're real gutsy, nobody recommended it and you came to see what was going on anyway. I met somebody one time. I said, man, you are brave. Why am I brave? You'll find out. 
And I think about who do I welcome in the doors of my business? Who do I welcome in the doors of my home? Am I just a, are you a friendly person? Are you, are you a person who's just generally friendly with people? Warm toward people? Are you kind to people you don't know? The Bible, look what the Bible says here. It says here, remember to welcome strangers. And then it goes, the tagline to that is, because some of you may be entertaining angels and not know it. It's like the Hebrew writer wants to motivate you a little bit here. It says that you might be entertaining an angel. Now, wouldn't that be a hoot if you entertained an angel? How would you feel if you knew an angel come into your house? I'd feel cool. He says, well, strangers, strangers could be that. Oh, I'm not, I'm not very motivated to, to welcome strangers. Well, one of them could be an angel. Oh, you got my ear now. That's the first step in connecting with our community. Will we welcome them when they come through our doors? I got news for you, folks. 99% of the people on this planet could care less what Greater Alton believes. 99% of the people around you could care less what you believe. They want to know what you'll do. They want to know, if do you love people? Do you care about people? They just want to be loved and welcomed. They want someone who cares. They're asking things like this. Will you love me even if I don't agree with everything doctrinally that you agree with? Even if I have different views about heaven or hell or marriage or, or social issues? Will you, will, you, will you love me even if I, I'm all jacked up and screwed up and messed up? Will you love me if I cuss, smell like cigarettes, smell like alcohol or dingy clothing? If I vote Democrat? Did I say that? You see, people are saying, look, if you'll just love, I know I'm all screwed up. I know I'm messed up. And if any of you here still know you're screwed up and messed up, you haven't got the virus. Because you don't understand, this is a journey. And will somebody love me and care for me and welcome me and put up with me as I go from where I am to where I need to be? Or will I, when I screw up, you're out. As... The colonel said in Band of Brothers, that dog ain't going to hunt. That's just not going to work. Now, there's something, I tell you, there's something that makes you feel so good when you know you are different and you're messed up and people still will welcome you. I grew up on a hog farm. And I'd go to church, in my church, everybody raised pigs, so everybody smelled like pigs. But when I went to the city church with Denise, they didn't have pig farmers there. <laughs> Denise goes, did you, did you wash your clothes? Why? You smell like pigs. I do? I don't smell anything. I think it smells good to me. And nobody, nobody goes, how you doing, Tim? Whoa, what was that? You know, they put up with my odor. They put up with, yeah, with my stuff. You know, get out. They put up with, they put up with my nonsense, my, my screwed upness. I don't know if we used to be a church that really put up with a lot of screwed upness. Are we becoming something else? Let me ask, are you becoming something else? Have you forgot? You know, I stink too. 
My grandma used to say, those people think their dirt ain't dirty. Are you becoming someone like that? Because we need to welcome people. I love this passage. Stumbled across this passage. I typed in, you ever type in that, uh, what the Bible says about, I don't know what I, I typed in, what's the Bible say about, and I put, filled the blank. This is a passage that popped up. The Lord is your God. He is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is a great God. He, def- he defends widows. Look, here's what makes him great. He defends widows and orphans. He loves even the strangers living among us. And then he said, look, I want you, I want you uh, Israelites to get something straight here. As we're coming out of bondage, you need to remember something. You too were an alien. You too at one time were in bondage. And God loved you. And he loves those that are strangers that are even living among you to the point he gives them food and clothes. And isn't that Jesus? When God came down in the flesh, didn't he love everybody? And didn't he love everybody? He made that clear before he lectured them about something. Before he addressed sin, didn't he love them? Neither do I condemn you, he says to a woman caught in adultery. Is that love? Forgiveness love? Love forgives is what the Bible says. And then he says, now go leave your life of sin. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Is that love? They're killing him. He's loving people that are killing him. I find trouble loving people that have done less to me. No, that's that's where it starts. Number two, I cultivate a sense of belonging to my community. Is this my community? Is this my home? I, I, I moved here in 1985. And I remember for years I'd refer Bone Gap and Golden Gate and Albion and Fairfield and Mount Carmel as home. Where are you going, Tim? Going back home. Going back home. I've lived here longer than I lived back home. Where are you going to be buried when you die? Here. Why? Because this is my people. This is my place. Uh, Doreen Bechtold's uh, son, Ty, is going to be here next week to talk about heroin addiction. I'm looking forward to hearing what he has. So he's wrote, written a book. And one of the things that I found, he just said, you know, Tim, I realized one day I am stuck with Madison County. I go, what? I am stuck with it. These are the people. This is it. I am stuck here. I can't help people in L.A. I can't help people in Chicago right now. I am stuck with the community that God has given me. And I best be doing something to help it. Heroin is ripping Madison County apart. I am tired of doing funerals for people ODing on heroin. It's too heartbreaking. What are we doing about it? Well, somebody else will take care of it. No, we need to be doing something about it. I'm looking forward to hearing him next week. It's, it's, see, it's, it's, this is your home. This is your, this is your land. This is your place. Ruth says it this way. When, when Naomi's getting ready to go home and Ruth, is a daughter-in-law, uh, you know, Ruth takes her husband and two sons and goes to Moab. The two sons and the husband die. And now she's got two daughter, all she's got is the two daughter-in-laws. And she goes, I'm going back home. And Ruth says, where I go, where you go, I go. 
Where you stay, I stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. What's she saying? This is my place. Where you are, these are my people now. I know I'm a Moabite, but if I go back here, if I'm living here, these are the people I'm going to be responsible to. I'm going to be a significant part of my neighborhood. I'm going to be a significant part of my workplace. I'm going to, I'm going to do something to help my city. I'm going to think further out than a wall. Because when, guys, listen, when you start having this sense that I belong to this community, you begin to take responsibility for how it's doing. Hebrews 13.3 says this. This is what the Christians to do. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. You say you don't have to be in prison to identify with people in prison. You be sensitive to the people, to the people in your community. Some are in jail. He says, and he says, and those who have been mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. So my community, whether it's the blessings or burdens, these are my people. I think of Kevin in Home Alone. You say, what? Remember in, in Home Alone? Kevin's sitting there. And he goes, he has his BB gun and he goes, I must defend this house. This is my house. And I will defend it. Guys, this is our community. We, we, we can't let the community just fall apart when we know how to put it together. We, we are a part of God helping our community. But Tim, wait a minute. You know, uh, you're saying I should get involved in some organization. Well, are you even familiar with your community's organizations? I'm not. That's what I had to come to grips with. All this church work and, and it stayed in the building. I'm not even thinking about out there. And I'm realizing what organizations are there. There's lots of them. But Tim, if you, if I get involved, you know, some of those organizations are, uh, well, not Christian. Won't they be Christian if you're in it? Won't they have some Christian influence if you're in that thing? Absolutely. I mean, am I aware, ask yourself this question, am I aware of the needs of my neighborhood? I asked myself this yesterday, I'm sitting there mowing my lawn going, I only know the Steineckers across the street, a couple of people live behind me, and one down the road. And I've got so many other people in my neighborhood, I'm thinking, I've got to find a way to get to know them. Because they have stuff that happens to them like anybody else. You got stuff going on today? Guess what? They got stuff going on today too. You're the lucky one because you have a relationship with God. I don't know what my neighbors, I don't know where they are with the Lord. See, God has put me and put you in different places and different houses and different neighborhoods and different cities, da, 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 for a purpose. And it's only when I start going, you know what, I need to own this. I need to see that I'm a part of this community. I'm part of the solution of the problems in my neighborhood. That's when you begin to connect. Number three, I get involved in the events and activities of my community. You know, one of the ways I can help others get involved 
or one of the ways I can help others is get involved in an organization or service in my city that has nothing to do with church. Oh my gosh, Tim, did you say that? Nothing. You want me to get involved in something that has nothing to do with church? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have Greater Alton stamp. It doesn't have a name on it. It doesn't say Greater Alton. No, there's a Greater Alton Growth Association that I help you. Knock yourself out. But yeah. Alan was telling me about the Salvation Army needing help with, for people to help read the Bible to somebody. Oh, that's the Salvation Army. You're not going to put a uniform on me and don't give me a bell. Do not give me a bell. I don't think they're going to make you wear a uniform. I don't think they're going to give you a bell. They just want somebody to read the Bible to somebody. That's down your alley, isn't it? That's down our alley. But they believe something different than me. So, you know, guys, I wonder wonder sometimes if we're like the CIA, FBI, NSA, we have all this information, but we won't share it with each other. And that got us in trouble, didn't it? You don't even agree with everybody in this room. I would say point to somebody you don't agree with, but that's too easy. They all be pointing at me. Oh my! You know what I'm saying? It's just we're we're not DOS programmed. Where everything has to be slashed and everything has to be perfect for it to work. Maybe it needs to more like be like windows between people, where we can go close enough. Close enough. But I just get involved. As when, I had, when my kids were younger, we got involved in soccer, t-ball. We ran into, ran into Matthew's soccer coach just a couple of nights ago. He got to see his kids. and like, wow, this is cool. And he goes, you're going to be back on the soccer field, aren't you? And I'm, going, I'm thinking, yeah. And you know what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be talking to grandparents and parents about Jesus, about church, about what I can do. Listen to them. Become friends. Who knows where it goes? Scouts, I love scouts. Had a blast with my boys at scouts. I got to be with a lot of parents and a lot of kids. Took them to church camp, around a Hot Wheels rally. It was a lot of fun. But you know what I remember? A lot of outreach during those times. There's nothing like a kid. You got a kid. You guys, anybody here scared of door knocking? I wouldn't dare knock on a door. Take a kid with you. They're more ferocious than a Rottweiler. How is that? You bring it. My grand, I'm telling you, I can't wait, Carmody. Nora, we're going to go door knocking. Okay. And we knock on the door. What do you want? Oh, hi. They see the kid. What is it? All of a sudden they melt. Where does here invite people to church? Oh, you are? If you were by yourself, I'd punch you in the nose. <laughs> but you have your t- attack dog with you. Yeah, isn't she cute? Come to church. Here, ha- Nora, hand them the invitation. Thank you. Powerful. I'm, I'm, I got four. I went from two kids to four grandkids. Man, I am going to rock. You know, use, use those kids, those little gorilla, you know, yard apes. Use them. Don't be afraid of them. They're great. They're great. Now, why would I say that? Because... Doing that, getting involved in an organization, whether it's hanging up Christmas lights at, at, at Riverview or whatever it be, it gives you and I contact with people we normally don't meet on Sundays. Why not? What's going to happen? 
What could possibly happen if you did something good, I think? Now, we have an organization represented here today, and it's Sheila Vaughn, and she's from Project Read. And I've asked her, to, she's wanting to come up and, and tell us a little bit about what they're doing and how we can help, okay? So I hope you'll listen to her, all right? Come on up here, Sheila. You're, you're fine. There you are. Thank you, Tim. Um, I couldn't agree with the message more. That's a, been fa- fabulous. Uh, thank you, Alan, for inviting me today. Um, I think is it Diane and Susan who came and sat by me? Um, they're practicing getting out while they're in. So they're covering all their bases. Um, how many here have heard of Project Read? Tell honestly. Okay, some. Okay. It's an adult literacy program. We're sponsored by the Secretary of State's Literacy Office in Springfield. Our particular group uh, serves this five-county area. So if you're from Jerseyville or Bunker Hill, you're in our area. And I want to just tell you a little bit about the organization. Maybe we need to get out a little bit more, too, or more of you would know about it. So that's why I'm getting out this morning. Um, Project Read has a kind of a faulty name because uh, we serve people in the community in the five-county area who come forward identifying themselves as individuals who need help with reading instruction, math instruction, or English instruction. So uh, what we do is we, uh, we train volunteer people from the community who wish to spend a little bit of their time serving others in need. And I didn't bring any of my data along, so I can't quote any figures, but I can tell you there is a big need in this area. Uh, we get calls every day from people uh, who failed the test at Olin. They didn't read well enough. They couldn't compute math well enough to pass the test for a job that they really needed. And they end up with us. And we train people. We, uh, we, we set you up in a, you know, in a relationship with a person from the community. Your community could be at the library right down the street that you live by. And we have you guys work together, and we completely are involved with you. You're not sent out to Siberia by yourselves. We work with you to serve these people. And so much good. I just love my job because I'm in a position to see all the good that comes of these connections that people make in the community. There's a big need. So you might ask yourself, you know, what can I do? I don't really feel like being a tutor. Reading is not even my thing. I never liked school in the first place. Um, and you do have to have a high school education, so there might be some people that, that just, you know, don't want to do it. But some things you could do is you could tell somebody about the program who has dropped out of school. We serve a lot of people who are trying to get their GED and just find that bugger math. They can't pass the math. So we serve them by giving them a math tutor. There are so many ways that you can help. And um, if anybody's compelled to be a trained tutor, and we do have people in this congregation, we're going to start training a small group here. And then we will match up that group with people, hopefully right here, not, not from this church necessarily, but right from your community, so you don't have to drive 100 miles to meet. Another thing you could do is to encourage people 
there's a lot of people who can't. We get people who request our help who can't read their medication bottles, can't tell one from the next. Well, that could be kind of dangerous. We get people who would love to read their grandchildren's storybooks at night, but they feel embarrassed because they don't read as well as their grandchild. We get all kinds of people with different needs who come to us, and we match them up with anybody who came forward for the training and who is willing to train that thing. Everybody doesn't train math. Don't, don't worry. You do. We're not going to make you tutor math. Um, Another thing you so in, this thing is very important to encourage people to come forward. You know, you, the people that need the most help are often the ones that are scared to come forward or feel embarrassed because they don't want to ask for help. If you have somebody in your family or your community and you know that they really need help to get that job, please encourage them to come forward. We're here to help. We're not judging anybody. So if there's anything that you can do that would get you involved with us, we open our arms. We really want to be involved with you. Um, and as Tim said, there's so many ways to be involved. This may not be your thing, but you might send somebody who it is their thing. So um, I have a table out in the hall um, in the lobby. If you want to, stop by. We can talk a minute more, or I'll give you a flyer with phone numbers on it. Uh, but before I go, I just want to tell you one little bitty success story. And there's there's just so many like this. Every week I could write a book about good things that have happened to people because of this program. Um, a couple months ago, I got a call from a guy that failed the math test at Olin. He he could read, like, till the cows came home, but he couldn't. He couldn't even multiply. You know, he just was stuck at that level. And he worked with one of our tutors, and um, he did have a good job. He worked at Walmart, but he had a lot of kids, and his wife was disabled. So he wasn't making a living wage. He, he was working, but he really wasn't making a living wage, and the family was in big trouble. So he came to us, and he worked one-on-one -on -one with one of our volunteer tutors, and he ended up passing our math test, then I call up Olin and say, by the way, this person is now computing math quite well. Would you give him another chance? So they invited him back. He passed their test, and he's now employed at Olin. So this is the kind of thing that happens all the time because of this program. So I'm just here to tell you, I know we're kindred spirits. I know that we all want to help others. And this is my plug to see if we are doing something that you might be interested in or that you could send somebody to us that might need help. Thank you so much, and God bless you. Excellent. <laughs> She asked me if that was five minutes. Never ask a preacher how long. I wouldn't know. You know what they say when the preacher looks at the clock, what it means? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely. Uh, one last point, then we're going to wrap this up. How can I connect? You know, we're going to hear not just Sheila, but a lot of different people are going to try to put in front of us, but it's a drop in the bucket. And I know some of us here, we say yes to everything. Um... So how do I know? You can't be involved in everything, but you can be involved in something. Why don't you ask God to help? Ask him to just pray, Lord, help me figure out where I can plug into my community. Help open my eyes to see. You know, I think David says, open my eyes to see the wonderful things in your law. Jesus said, open your eyes and look at the fields that are ripened to harvest. And look, look at this passage here. Paul said it this way. He asked for prayer. 
that God would give us an opportunity to tell people his message. And this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. We not only help someone read, but read the Bible, know the will of God, hear the good news. It, 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 there's, there's, so, so ask God. Bring prayer into it. God, help me see the needs of my, of my neighbors, my campus. Help me, run, help me cross paths with somebody. Open up a door. Now, I'm going to stop with the illustration and then we'll be done here. Okay. How many of you guys own one of these? Huh? Everybody owns one of these, am I right? I love them. I love them. You know, you, every soccer game, every t-ball game, every cookout, where would you be without your old folding canvas chair? And, you know, I don't know how it is, but it just, and it, it, you know, I love what I love about them. Um, what I love about them is, is that, uh, you know, you just, you just unpack it, you know, and, and get it out. And next thing you know, you got, you got your chair all folded up and, you know, you're watching the game. You're watching different things, and there's whatever my problem, the tie thing. There we go. Yeah, and so you get all this out, and there it is, and you just, oh man, oh the fire. Oh look, they're playing. They're like the Keystone Cops out there in that soccer field. Spread out. Oh, <laughs> you know. Right? What's up? Down the side. Hurry up. Oh, they're playing T-ball. Hit the ball. Come on. I'll give you a nickel if you hit the ball. Hit the ball. You know, it, what is it about? You know, these are wonderful. Everybody's got, how many you got? I got five, six, seven of these. Different kinds, different colors. Green Bay colors. Blue ones with flowers on them. You know, they're just so handy. And now it's time to go. Oh, it's time to go. Yeah, everybody. Okay. And what do we do? Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> and there it is. And you start. Okay, now you can just get this thing, you know. It's like putting on a pair of pants and your two sizes too big. What is wrong with this? Okay, I got it. You know, you're like, you know, when it was packed, it was really in there. It was really good. Like these people are trained in the factory. Get it just right. But then when you, you know, it's like, what is the problem? And it's just not, you got to shove and fold and, you know, man, I'm going to get it. I just know it. What, what's it hung up on now? <sighs> Good enough. <laughs> and it sets in the garage. Now, what are you illustrating, Tim? I just know, it's, this, is way, it, this is true with sleeping bags. This is true with socks at Walmart. I just got a cover for my my uh, charbroil gas grill, and it was the wrong size. I got it at Lowe's. And what's the wrong size? So I'm going to put it back in the box. Good luck with that. I return it, and I'm going, yeah, I got this thing here. I want to return. What are you doing to it? I can't get it back in the box. <laughs> what's the lesson here? Once you get out, you can't go back in. You know what I'm saying? Once you once you get it out, you just can't. It, you, can I get it back in the bag? Yeah. And I know some people would love to get right back where it was. You know, protected, safe. I'll just go back. Really? Is that what you want to do? I'm church. I want to encourage you, man. If you if you if you'll get out, you'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. You're, God didn't want you to live real safe. And, you know, 
secure all the time and I'm not going to get out. Man, he wants you to take some chances and some risks out there. And, and if you'll just, you'll, you grow when you get out. It's bigger. You grow when you get out. And you're blessed. You are blessed. Parents, the best thing you can do for your kids is show them how to live a kingdom-minded lifestyle in the middle of this world. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to tell you, I sit in the back row just listening to my son preach, envying how he could do it. Going, wow. You know, he could, he could set records. He could, I want you to tell you, when, when my kids and my grandkids have a kingdom mindset that says they're not going to be afraid of this world, they're not going to be intimidated, they're going to go public, it's an awesome, awesome feeling. And I want to say to you, you know, it's time that maybe you need to get out. Maybe, maybe you're stuck in something and you can't get out of sin. Maybe this morning that's what you need to get out. You'd be free if you could get out. Jesus left the security of heaven, came to this broken world. They killed him so you could be free. He had to get out. He's asking you to do the same. Maybe that's what you need to do. I need to get out, get out of my comfort zone, get out of, get out of my routine, get out of my, my home, get out of my dream, personal dream, and watch God work. Will you do that this morning? Will you make that decision this morning? I hope you do. I hope this series will teach us to, to expand our horizons a little bit, broaden the borders a little bit, reach out a little further than we normally do. There's somebody needs you in their life. Needs you, not me, you. And in order for that, order for that to happen, you're going to have to get out. You got a card in your bulletin, and um, the card is a, it's a card you can write down a prayer or a decision or maybe a question this morning. We're going to give you, we're going to sing a song. The worship team is going to sing a song and give you some, a few minutes to jot something down. What we do with those cards is we give those to people who pray and they pray over those cards. They pray the content of those cards. You name somebody, they pray about that person. If you're making a specific decision this morning, they're going to be praying for you to make that decision stick. Let it change your life. And, um, as you do that, uh, well, like I say, the worship service or the worship team will sing and then we'll sing another song and collect up those cards along with our regular contribution. Um, remember, Sheila's going to have a booth out here at the granite table there in the corner uh, of the uh, reception area. So hope you'll uh, talk to her a little bit. She has some good information and we're glad that you came. So happy. Yeah, it's really cool. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, for getting out, you personally getting out. Wow, that you would leave, come here, your son would come here, you'd come in a body, and you would um, give your life on the cross, and then you'd get out of the tomb (laughs) and show us that we can get out of any mess, any mess with you. I pray for those of us that are in a mess we we want to get out of. Maybe it's out of debt. Maybe it's out of fear, out of some some hurt, some pain. Father, I pray that um, you, you help those of us in that, in that place, Father, get out of that. Father, for some of us here, we're very comfortable. Some of us here are very comfortable. Would you help us take a step out in the community and think about how we can serve in our community, in our city, in our neighborhood, our campus, our workplace. 
to be to realize you you put us there for a reason. Father, I was reading that forty out of forty nine people that your son healed, forty three of them were either were either brought to Jesus or Jesus was brought to them by somebody, somebody willing to get out. That only six out of forty nine came by themselves. And so Father, I pray that you'll use us use us to bring your love, your help, your peace, your care, your warmth to someone. Father, whether it be uh, at the grocery store or we sign up to help someone read. Lord, I pray that uh, you'll help us as a church to help one another. You know, Father, we're, we're, we're getting together. It's not a pep rally, but we are getting together to get to, to help each other as we go out. And so, Father, as we leave today, as we walk out these doors, give us a mission mind, a kingdom mindset that will just be keenly aware of the people around us. And, Father, um, let us welcome who you bring and you help us cross paths, who you bring to, our, bring to us or cross paths with. Father, uh, Jenna McBride, Father, uh, I just can't help but... Thank you for her. I'm, I'm, you know, she wasn't doing really well there for a while, and then and she was doing well, and then she falls, and some other stuff happened. And, and Father, uh, she's back in Barnes, but it seems like she's sitting in a chair now, and she's not ready to walk yet. But Father, I pray that you restore her health. I know she wants to be here so much, and she, and Father, we pray that um, you restore her health. And Father, those of us that have people that are in our family that are sick and cancer and with cancer and all kinds of diseases and things, Father, we pray for your healing. We know you can. Uh, but most of all, we pray, Father, that you'll be honored and glorified, whether we live or die, uh, that you'll be, you, people will see, clearly see, uh, by what we do, they'll glorify you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.